Mary came and poured ointment upon Jesus. And one of the disciples, we think it is Judas Iscariot, who was the treasurer who held the money, objected to this. He said, why didn't we take that expensive perfume and sell it and give it to the poor? He, I think he just wanted to, to cream some of the, the money off for himself, and he was objecting to this. And Jesus says a very interesting thing. Listen to this. He says, you will always have the poor. Second part. But you will not always have me. I mean, how, how truthful is that? You will not always have me. We won't always have our loved one. We won't always have our mom and dad. We won't always have our brother and sister. We won't always have our partner, our spouse, our wife, our husband in life. We won't always have our children. And what foolish people we are to sometimes take that for granted and to take use, misuse these precious gifts that God has given to us. There was a historian and a Scottish author whose name was Thomas Carlyle. And uh, he was quite influential in his day. Uh, he got a secretary, employed her, fell in love with her, married her. They were happily married for many years. Her name was Jane Welch. But she got cancer. And she was dying. And uh, he was very committed to his job. He didn't pursue money, but he was just so preoccupied with his writing and with his research and didn't spend sufficient time with her. And uh, she got sick and then she was bedridden and eventually she died. And it was a very stormy, wintry day when they took her out to bury her. And they went out and they buried her. And he came back and he walked back into the house. And it was just quiet. There was the absence of just her presence, even though she had been so sick. An absence of her presence. <laughs> and he went up to the room. And he sat down on a chair next to the side of her bed. And he just realized miss her. And then he saw her diary right next to her bed and he picked it up and he opened it. And these words really struck home to him. Yesterday, a few days before, he, she wrote this, yesterday he spent an hour with me and it was like heaven. I miss him so. And that reality really gripped him, that he had been so blind that he hadn't seen. And it, it came with crushing reality. He had just been so busy to notice how much she loved him. Anyway, he picked up the diary and he turned to another part of the book and it read this. He read this. I have listened all day to hear his steps in the hall, but now it is late, and I guess he won't come today. He began to sob. He got up from that, from that chair. He ran out of the room, down the steps, out into the garden, out into the pouring rain, down the road to the graveside, and friends found him a few hours later, just kneeling in the mud, mud all over him, wet as, as, as anything, 
and just sobbing with his eyes red, just the realization, if only I had known, if only I had known, he cried. The interesting thing is, he lived for another 15 years, but he's writing struggle. And he says of himself, I'm weary, bored, and a partial recluse. And he wrote during those years, probably some of the saddest words that's ever been recorded in English literature, oh, that I had you just for five minutes by my side that I might tell you all. I mean, we can be so careless with our relationships and with our friendships. Thomas Carlyle warns, cherish what is dearest while you have it near to you. Don't wait until it's far away. Blind and deaf that we are to think that you love somebody living and do not wait until death comes and maybe takes away all at once and it becomes so painfully clear. Don't wait. Don't wait. Don't wait for that voice of friendship. Don't wait for that voice of, of, of family, of relationship. Don't wait. There was a very, very dynamic minister in the Presbyterian Church years ago. His name was Emlyn Jones. He was a Welshman. Man, he could preach. They called him the Prince of Preachers in the 60s and 70s. I mean, he was used so extensively throughout the Presbyterian Church and my dad had the opportunity of, as a young man, serving under him and just being able to glean and just to be able to, to see the dynamic of his ministry and was so, so appreciative towards Emlyn. But Emlyn, although he was a prince of preachers, he wasn't given to financial planning. And so when he got to retirement, and he lived to 93, when he got to retirement, he didn't have sufficient money to live most South Africans are going to be, but he got to that place. And my dad got his church as part of the outreach to sponsor him and to help him and just to see to his needs. And in repayment to my dad, he said, I want to give Richard my entire library. Now, as a young guy, that is just a huge gift. So I went and I got the books and I went through them and I noted them and, and I thought, you know, I must, I must just send a letter. I, I did say thank you when, it, when I was there, but I must just send a letter just to say thank you so much. And I put it off. And I put it off. And then I got that fateful news one day saying that he had passed away. And I missed out. I missed out on that opportunity just to say thank you to this man who had blessed me with so much. And I want to say to you, don't miss out. Don't procrastinate those things. There was a time when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane with the disciples and he said, please pray with me for one hour. And they fell asleep. Jesus woke them up. Okay, we're going to pray now. And they fell asleep again. And Jesus woke, up, woke them up a second time and he said, will you not, will you not pray with me for one hour? And then they fell asleep a third time. And then Jesus said, sleep on now and take your rest. They would never 
have that opportunity to pray with Jesus again. James, the first apostle who met his death, his execution because of being a follower of Jesus Christ, could never have that opportunity again. John, who had to suffer imprisonment on the Isle of Patmos, he died as an old man and he was the only disciple who died a natural death, but never could have an opportunity to pray. Peter was crucified for Christ's sake. and He said he wanted to be crucified upside down, says tradition, because he didn't want to be crucified like Jesus. That opportunity was gone forever. You know, I've been in ministry for many years, and I've seen people, they're there one Sunday, and they're gone the next. And you say, you say but I just saw them the other day. But you won't see them again. And if there's somebody that you love, a relationship, a friendship, a family, and, you know, that unlifted book, that empty chair will speak to you with such reproach that you'll hardly be able to endure it. Friendships. The Vietnam War was a terrible war. One of the wars, the only wars that America has lost, really. That's up for debate anyway, but took place over a period of 19 years from 1975 to, nine, to 1955 to 1975. And during that time, um, there was a young lady who had fallen in love with a soldier who wrote a poem. And it's things you didn't do. She said, remember the day I borrowed your brand new car and I dented it? I thought you would kill me, but you didn't. Remember the time I dragged you to the beach and you said it wouldn't rain? It would rain and it did. I thought that you would say, I told you so, but you didn't. Remember the time I flirted with the guys to make you jealous and you were? I thought that you would leave me, but you didn't. Remember the time I spilled blueberry pie all over your brand new car rug? I thought that you would hit me but you didn't. Remember the time I forgot to tell you that the dance was formal and you showed up in jeans? I thought that you would leave me forever, but you didn't. And there were a lot of things that you didn't do, but you put up with me and you loved me and you protected me. And there were so many things that I wanted to make up to you when you got back from Vietnam, but you didn't. We put off things tomorrow. Tomorrow. Listen, the time for life is now. The time for love is now. The time to do is now. What is God calling you to do in terms of your friendships and your relationships? What good deed do you have to do? What act of forgiveness do you have to partake in? What step of faith do you have to participate in? What prayer do you have to pray? What do you have to confess to somebody? What call do you have to make? What letter do you have to email? What relationship do you have to repair? Who in your life, in your circles, needs to hear about Jesus Christ? Man, I heard something this past week that really struck home. You know, the, the statement 
sorely challenged. I was challenged and it was sore. Because I heard, if Jesus came to you today and he said to you, I want to answer all your prayers, all the prayers that you've ever prayed, I want you to answer all those, I'm going to answer all those prayers. How many people at that moment would be transferred into the kingdom of God? Are we only praying about ourselves or are we praying for others to come to an experience and a knowledge of Jesus Christ? What do you need to do today to settle your relationships? Timothy, come before winter, please. Come before winter sets in and you're unable to cross the Mediterranean. The second voice that I want to talk about is the voice of Jesus. I mean, I would have loved to have been there when Jesus started his ministry. Just absolutely loved. I mean, he came with such authority. He spoke to James and to John. He spoke to Peter. He spoke to Matthew at the tax collector's table. Follow me. And the Bible says they left all and followed. There was a sense of urgency as they followed Jesus Christ. Because they had a sense that there was something special about this guy and this was going to be for eternity. This wasn't just a menial daily job. You see, the most, uh, I think, captivating subject known in the world is that of eternal life. Is there life after death? My job, there, there are a few doctors here. I mean, you're, you're going to be there to help the person get through this life. My job as the pastor, as an elder of the church, is to say to you, there is something beyond this life. There is eternity, and you better prepare for that. You seriously need to prepare for that. And everywhere I understand in the scripture, it says today, now. If you can find anywhere in the scripture that it says, accept Jesus Christ tomorrow, follow him tomorrow, then I'll stop preaching. And I'll never preach the word of God again. But I know that it doesn't, because it always says today. Let me give you a few references. Now is the accepted time. Now is the day of salvation. Today, if you hear his voice, harden not your hearts. While it is still called today. It's just like that, man. David and Jonathan had a special friendship. And Jonathan said to David, he said, as your soul lives, there is just one step between me and death. Just a step. That's all that it takes. I'm feeling healthy, Richard. I'm good. Listen. Just like that, it can change. There's a parable that Jesus told in Luke chapter 12 about a rich farmer. With lots and lots of crops. And he had such a bumper harvest that he said, what am I going to do to bring in this harvest? I don't want to waste it, so I'm going to build bigger barns. And with bigger barns, he said, I'm going to be able to accommodate my harvest. And God came, knocked on his door of his life, and said, you fool, 
this night your soul is required of you. This farmer was doing what we all do. Get a nice bank balance, get an income, uh, build bigger houses, move to a better property, better, better, better. Why did God call him the fool? He's, he's the only guy in the New Testament that was called a fool. Why did God call him a fool? Because he did nothing about his spiritual life. He was just so consumed with this life that he ev never ever had a, a, an inkling about what is going on in the, in the future. You see, there's one day, one day that we will have. It's the most important day in our lives. And we need to better prepare for it because that's the day that we finish our life here and move on into eternity. The Bible tells us that if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. And we don't have to attend to a supreme level of super spirituality. Like, I mean, I don't even know who the new guys are. But in the past, when I was growing up, it was Billy Graham and Mother Teresa. We just have to receive the free gift, the gracious free gift that God gives to us. And that is to receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. Everyone's life is going to end. And then what? And then what? 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 9 says, It is written, What no eye has seen, nor ear has heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who have received Him. Listen, you, you can have beautiful surroundings. You can have your small holding. You can have your beautiful home up on the mountain in Somerset West. I... Uh, we, we, we try to cocoon. We put deep roots down thinking that we're going to live in this house for 300 years. You're not. You're not. We create this little piece of heaven. I mean, uh, look around. Some of you are, are gray heads like me. Some of you got more hair and some of you not, eh? We need to have more colorful clothing in uh, this winter weather to hide. I mean, and some of you need to put a little bit more makeup on to hide the wrinkles. And, uh, you know, that's, that's rude, Richard. That's rude. You know, that's not funny. But it's better in my madness here because it happens like that. I've got a 25-year-old brain and a 65-year-old body, and sometimes there's no connect. When I get up in the morning, you know, this is like, ugh. It happens so fast. James chapter 4 and verse 14. Listen to what it says about our life. You do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. The mist is there and it's gone. It's your life. Psalm 103 says to us, we are like the flower of the field. We flourish for a little while, and then the wind blows over it, and it's gone, and its place remembers us, remembers it no more. I mean, what a great affirm affirmation you're giving to us, Richard. You're like a flower, and the wind blows over it, and it's gone. You know, But the next verse speaks the truth. 
but from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear Him. From everlasting to everlasting. This life is just like that. What have you done to prepare for eternity? How much research, how much effort, how much preparation have you put into that? John chapter 3 and verse 36 says, Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey or uh, who rejects, who does not believe in the Son, will not see life, will not experience eternal life. But the wrath of God abides in him. I mean, 2,000 years ago, there was an incredible event that took place. It was a stupendous event. The God of the universe took the form of a, of a, of a man and came and dwelt amongst us. And he shook the world like nobody else in the whole history of the, of, of, of the world has ever done. He changed everything. People regarded him as a great physician, as a great teacher, as a great philosopher, and he was all of those but more, because he came to redeem, he came to reconcile, and he came to save. There is salvation, says Acts chapter 4 and verse 12, there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven that has been given among men by which we can be saved. And 2,000 years ago, Jesus came in the form of a human being and dwelt amongst us. He died on the cross. Why? So that he could purchase our eternity Yours and mine, our eternity. We need to prepare for that day. You know that 67.1 million people are going to die this year. That is 333,000 per day. That is 14,000 people per hour. That is 231 per minute. That is four per second. There is nothing more certain than your own death. There is nothing more uncertain than the time of your death. The most important event in your life. Have you prepared for that moment? Have you prepared? Have you called on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ and received Him as Savior? Don't procrastinate. Seriously. I'll put it off tomorrow. A couple of people did that when Jesus said, follow me. I'll do it tomorrow. And Jesus had to address that. There is a fascinating verse. He that observes the wind will not sow. He that regards the clouds will not reap. I'm going I'm to follow Jesus when I've established my business. I'm going to follow Jesus when I've purchased my house. I'm going to follow Jesus when, when, when. Don't do it. Do it now. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day of salvation. One of the saddest passages of Scripture is Jeremiah chapter 8 and verse 20. The harvest is past, the summer is ended, and we are not saved. The saddest thing that I can see is when people serve the Lord for many years or, or don't serve the Lord and they get to that place where they come to the end of their life and they do not know Jesus. Listen, it goes pretty quick. Today, now, is the day of salvation.
Henry Twells wrote this. When as a child I laughed and wept, time crept. When as a youth I waxed more bold, time strolled. When I became a full-grown man, time ran. When older still I daily grew, time flew. Soon I shall find on passing on time gone. Oh Christ, will you save me then? I wonder, Elsa B, if you could just put that photo or that painting of that. That's a picture by Holman Holt, Hunt, rather. And it's Jesus Christ standing at the door in, Laod, in, in, in Revelation 3 to the church in Laodicea. Jesus stands. He says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. It's an interesting painting because it does not have a handle on the outside. There's no handle. The handle is only on the inside. It's only as a result of us opening. And, and Jesus, all that he does is stand and knock. And there are a whole lot of weeds coming out from underneath the door, which is a reflection of our lives because our lives are just <laughs> full of weeds. And Jesus wants to come into us and cleanse us and redeem us and to sort all of those weeds out. And so he stands today and he says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone... Here's my voice and opens the door. I will come in, I will sup with him, I will fellowship with him, and he with me. 